This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome into the Pipeline Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Jonathan Mayo. Jim Callis is going to join us in a little bit. It's opening day across minor league baseball today, and we're lucky enough to be joined on the line by Lucas Giolito, number one pitching prospect in MLB Pipeline's top 100 prospects. Lucas, I know you're starting the season off with the Harrisburg Senators. That's where you finished up a year ago. Is there a comfort level because you've been there before with the Sens? Yeah, I definitely feel comfortable in the clubhouse and in the home stadium and everything. Uh, I got acclimated pretty well, and uh, now I'm just excited to start the year. Lucas, you, you got a, a you know, good amount of uh, time in big league camp uh, this spring, including uh, a, uh, a, a, your first start, uh, which came some, somewhat unexpectedly. How much confidence did how you performed there and how comfortable you felt there, how much confidence does the, you have carrying over into the into the start of the minor league season as a result yeah it definitely gives me a lot uh that game against the Mets I started I went through two innings but uh I felt really good about it I thought my pitches were working well and I was able to get big league hitters out so um it gives me good confidence uh coming in here double a and we continue work on things I need to work on and uh hopefully get that chance up there soon I got one more for you, Lucas. You just said it, hoping to get up there soon. What is the approach as you enter, you know, to start the season off at Double A, knowing that the goal is hopefully at some point this year to be up in D.C.? I'm just going to continue to work on the things I've been working on ever since uh, Instructional League last year. Uh, number one being fastball command, especially with uh, both the fourth team and the two team now, which is a new pitch for me. And then uh, just doing all the things right on the mound as far as holding runners, PFPs, uh, trying to be as athletic as I can be, and just getting guys out. I heard about that two-seamer. Uh, I don't think it should be fair that you should be allowed to sink the ball on top of everything else you throw. Um, but uh, maybe that's just me. My last question for you, I, I know you don't pay a lot of attention to the prospect list and things like that, but you said something to me this spring that I, I kind of liked, uh, and I'm looking at our list now. Corey Seager is going to graduate off. And so for a while, you're going to be uh, number one prospect. But uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but you said something to me like you're looking forward to not being on those lists anymore. Uh, how do you, you know, remain patient while trying to sort of force the hand of, of the decision makers uh, to make it difficult for them to keep you down for much longer? Well, I developed a level of patience when I was rehabbing my surgery. Um, compared to all those other guys, like a year behind, especially guys from my draft class. So I've been pretty much playing catch-up as far as uh, moving up through the ranks and developing as a player. So uh, over the course of that, I've developed a ton of patience and just trusting the process and, and uh, allowing my progression to come naturally. Lucas, thanks so much for taking a few minutes for us, and good luck starting out the season with the Senators. 
That was Lucas Giolito, number one prospect as far as pitchers go in the MLBpipeline.com top 100, also the number one prospect for the Washington Nationals. Opening up the season in double A with the Senators. They're opening the season in Altoona. And Jonathan, you've talked to Lucas many times. Um, such a, he seems like a great guy to talk to because he always tells you he's honest and, and he opens up in his interviews in general. Yeah, no, he he has been fantastic to to talk to, and has always had a, a maturity that has belied his, his years. And obviously, going through Tommy Don right out of the gate, uh, you know, you have to be patient, and especially as the Nationals were understandably very cautious with his development. I think this is the year that the, sort of the gloves come off, and he's starting in Double A. Yeah, but if uh, you know, I, I would be very surprised if he, he if he doesn't finish the season in Washington. And nice of him to take a few minutes on opening day. I know he's not pitching today, but I'm sure a hectic day as the Senators open up things in Altoona. And with that, we welcome in Jim Callis uh, back to the, the podcast. And, uh, Jim, it is opening day across the minors. Um, there's, there's some great rosters out there that we're going to get into a little bit. But um, is this as exciting a day for you and Jonathan as opening day is for most people around Major League Baseball? Um, yeah, I guess you could say that. I still think probably the most exciting day would be draft day. But this, this ranks right up there. All right, very good. And I know you guys, we're going to get into this in some of the best rosters as far as minor leagues go with prospects around the majors. But, um, Jonathan, you had an article up where you kind of broke down the numbers. And 87 of the top 100 on the pipeline list uh, are on minor league rosters. 35 of those in AAA, 25 in AA, 20 in Class A. So there's kind of a breakdown. It's kind of a nice even breakdown of those top 100 guys and how they're spread out across the minor leagues. Um, and there's some great duos um, with different teams. But let's get into your picks, each of you, as far as best rosters go from a prospect standpoint. And, Jonathan, I want to start with you and, and the Rome Braves, low Class A in the South Atlantic League but they have a great roster. Yeah, and one of the things we did in, in addition to the top 100 uh, kind of where they're starting, we, we did that for every team's top 30 prospects. So it's a, it's a handy-dandy little resource guide uh, to see where all the top 30 are starting. Um, and, you know, Jim and I will be the first to uh, admit slash confess that we're focusing on teams that we did that story for and did their top 30 list obviously we're much more familiar with them so i have braves and you really can't go wrong with the brave system right now all of their teams are pretty good but uh the rome rotation in particular is fairly ridiculous uh you've got tukey toussaint who's you know not on the top 100 uh but might be uh if he comes out and throws the way i think he's going to uh, based on the spring he had and the instructs he had, I mean, if you remember, he was a former first rounder that the Braves basically got for the for the Diamondbacks in return for taking on Bronson Arroyo's salary. Max Freed, uh, Lucas Giolito's high school teammate, who had Tommy John surgery and has basically missed two years, uh, will be in that rotation. Uh, and I saw him throw in the spring, and he was lights out. Uh, it was a brief look, granted, but people kind of forgotten about him. Uh, if you told me a year from now that he's in the top 100, I would believe it. Uh, Mike Soroka was their first-round pick, uh, their second first-round pick, I should say, from last June's draft. Uh, Ricardo Sanchez uh, was a little bit of a wild card. Uh, they got him from the Angels, but he is a talented lefty who has largely been pitching uh, way above his age level. 
and uh, lost a lot of weight this offseason, really finally paying attention to, to conditioning, so that might help. And then eventually Colby Allard, uh, their their first first round pick from last year is going to join them. He's totally healthy. He had a you know back injury last uh, last spring leading into the draft. Had a procedure to clean it up. They're being super super cautious. I think by May he's going to be there. That's just the rotation. Then you have to throw in uh, other 2015 draftees. Austin Riley, who probably had the best debut of anybody from the 2015 draft. Uh, small sample size, but. Double-digit homers, a lot of power, hit for average, big, strong third baseman. And then Lucas Herbert, who's Colby Allard's catcher at San Clemente High School. Tim, you, of course, remember them from uh, from the NHSI. Allard didn't pitch, but uh, Herbert was behind the plate, and the big reason why they, they won the whole thing, uh, he will be the catcher for that staff. So a really fun young team to go check out in the South Atlantic League. Yeah, and how cool is that to, to get to pitch to your high school catcher when you get to professional baseball, I mean, that's really neat. But those two guys, a big part of that San Clemente team, as you said, Allard didn't get to pitch, but that team won the NHSI in 2015. All right, Jim, over to you. Uh, who's your first best roster as finest prospects go at the minor league level? Um, I, you know, again, the teams I've focused on, I, I would say it's got to be the Salem Red Sox. I mean, last year at the end of last season, I had scouts tell me that, that their low-class A Greenville affiliate was was the most talented club a lot of scouts had seen last year. And their top three prospects have all graduated from that roster to high class A Salem. You've got Yohan Mancata, the the sixty three million dollar Cuban defector who was terrific in the second half of last season and keeps drawing comparisons to a Robinson Cano with more speed. Um right behind him you've got Raphael Devers at third base, who's one of the best all around hitters and one of the best power hitters in the minors. And they also have Andrew Benintendi, who was the seventh overall pick in last year's draft and would probably go higher than that. If you, if you redid the draft today, he's got you know, a chance to have four-plus tools. Everything but the arm really jumps out at you. And, and beyond them, I mean, you could see you know, they were joined uh, on Greenville last year. You know, Anderson Espinosa is the Red Sox's other real big-name prospect. He's only 18. He will start the year in low Class A. He, he's so precocious, it wouldn't surprise me if he made it to Salem by the end of the year. I think when Michael Kopech, who is their second-best pitching prospect, is healthy, he unfortunately broke his hand in an altercation with a, a teammate during spring training. He's probably headed to Salem. And you also have some interesting guys like right-hander Travis Lakins, Infielder Mauricio Dubon, uh, first baseman Nick Longy. A lot of interesting names at Salem, but I think those three hitters, I think that's probably the best trio of hitters on any minor league club to start the season. Yeah, that's impressive, and, and in the infield and the outfield, that's great stuff. All right, so you each had a team from the Class A level, one low, one high. Now we're going to kind of step things up to the AAA level for both of you. Jonathan, you're starting with the Phillies organization. Of course, they've moved up so much with that organization as far as prospects go. But the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs are loaded. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, there are five guys on there that I think are kind of worth mentioning, and four of them came via trades. So, I mean, that's how they kind of rebuilt. And I think it's good that we're jumping up to, to the higher levels because, as you point out in the breakdown of the top 100, uh, we are a little bit upper levels heavy. Uh, very few guys down in, in low A on the top 100, in fact, um, and AAA has the most, so uh, yeah, we we need to spend a little attention there. And and Lehigh Valley is sort of like the Braves because Lehigh Valley's good in Reading is really good. Their Double A team, where J.P. Crawford is uh, their number one prospect. But 
their number two through four prospects, all of whom are on the top 100, uh, Jake Thompson, uh, Nick Williams in the outfield, and Mark Appel uh, will all be in Lehigh Valley. In fact, Thompson is slated to, to pitch the opener for, for Lehigh Valley. Uh, it was supposed to be on Thursday. Uh, that got postponed because the weather in Syracuse, uh, I know this is shocking, the weather in Syracuse was bad. I can't believe um, that as a Syracuse grad. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, so they actually moved the, those games to Lehigh Valley. Uh, try to get a couple of them in. Uh, I don't know if Eastern Pennsylvania is going to be much better over the next couple of days. Uh, it's absolutely dreadful here in Pittsburgh, so who knows. Uh, but he will pitch. Nick Williams will be in outfield. Appel will take the ball soon. Then you've also got Andrew Knapp, who was probably one of the better breakout prospects in 2015. Uh, you know, jump levels, uh, hit pretty much everywhere. Pretty decent behind the play. I think he has a chance to be a a solid all-around catcher, and we'll probably get to the big leagues before Jorge Alfaro, uh, who's ranked ahead of him but is in double-A, and there are questions about his catching. And then there's Zach Eflin, who's you know, not, a, not a sexy prospect but really knows how to pitch, uh, a guy who probably could be a, a solid number four starter. Uh, you know, So all these guys are, are in triple-A. Everyone knows the, the Phillies are in, in rebuild mode, and if you want to know, well, what's going to be used, who are the pieces that are going to help rebuild. Uh, that's a quintet of rebuilding pieces right there on that Iron Pigs roster. And I know a lot of those guys, Jonathan, uh, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of them were in Reading last year, and Reading went to the Eastern League Championship. They ended up losing in the finals. But So those guys kind of won together a bit last year. They were really good yep. after the trade deadline. <laughs> yeah, Thompson, that Reading team Thompson got a little. Yeah, Thompson and Williams were there in Reading. Obviously, Appel's making his Phillies debut this year. Yeah, Reading got a shot in the arm after the trade deadline, I know, too, with Nick Williams and stuff. But all right, back to Jim. Uh, and Jim, AAA, you have a team as well, the uh, Oklahoma City Dodgers. Yeah, I think, you know, I was talking about how much I like the hitters on the Salem Red Sox roster. I, I really like the pitchers on the Oklahoma City Dodgers roster. I mean, you've got the best left-handed pitching prospect in baseball, Julio Urias, who it seems like we've talked about him for about 10 years, and he's only uh, still only 19 years old. I, I'm sure we'll see him in the big leagues at some point this season. He'll be joined by Jose De Leon, who, who led the minors in strikeouts per nine innings last year, 12.8. Uh, he's out in the DL right now with a minor ankle injury, but should be back by the end of the month. And then they have a, another prospect who, who took a, a big leap forward last year, Jarrell Cotton. It was very good in the minors, very good in the Arizona Fall League. You know, I know the Dodgers' big league pitching staff has had a lot of injuries, the rotation especially. These three guys are all on the verge of helping. Uh, so I think the, you know, we may see all three of these guys in the big leagues before all is said and done. And there's some other interesting players on the Oklahoma City roster also. Micah Johnson who came over in the Todd Frazier trade from the White Sox when the Dodgers were kind of the middleman that deal with the Reds. You know, Micah Johnson, second baseman who led the minors in steals a couple of years ago. They've got a reliever named Jacob Rehm who, you know, he can hit 100 miles an hour. He's got one of the better fastballs in the minors. Guys just don't hit it. You know, it's not just velocity. There's some life to it also. But I think that big three pitching staff is what really stands out, what really catches my eye there at Oklahoma City. Just a general question for both of you guys. As, as you talk about these teams and rosters stuck together at a minor league level, and you know things will probably change throughout the year, but in your minds, how important is it at some point through the minor leagues for, for prospects to be a part of a winning team and, and to, to get a feel for that at the professional level? Do you, 
because some people might say that it's not important at all, but I know some of these teams get together and they have a group of prospects who kind of move through the minor leagues together and end up winning all along the way. I'll start with you, Jonathan. Do you think there's some importance to that? What's the value in, in winning with a, with a core team through the minors? I do. I do think there is, uh, you know, some importance to that. I, I don't. I wouldn't say it's a be-all, end-all. I think individual players sort of rise above if the, if they don't have that kind of team success at the minor league level once they get to the big leagues if they're on a good team. Uh, but especially for teams that are really trying to uh, do so with just homegrown talent, uh, the ability to uh, to play well in minors and win uh, play in the playoffs is always a good test to see how they can do. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that's reflected in the fact that player development staffs uh, across baseball have put more emphasis on winning. Now that doesn't mean stacking minor league rosters with older guys so that they can bring home a trophy. Uh, but, you know, age appropriately, you know, having those guys win and come up where, where there's an expectation uh, I, I think it is very important, and I think it's shown to have helped in places like here in Pittsburgh where uh, they really tried to change that, that culture and have an expectation of winning so that when Andrew McCutcheon got up to the big leagues, the idea of losing every day was not something that he was used to or, or wanted to stand for. And I think you know, whether it has that much impact in terms of the end result at the big league level, I mean, I, I don't know. It's more anecdotal than anything else. Uh, but uh, I, I do think that having guys coming up and, and having that expectation to compete uh, really does make some some difference in, in terms of uh, the the kind of success they have at, at the highest level. How about you, yeah, Jim? I think yeah. it's kind of a, it's like Jonathan was saying. I mean, it, it's a cherry on top. I mean, you're not going to – you're still going to keep guys in tight pitch counts. You're still going to play the the, the prospect over the older guy who, who may be more advanced at this point of his career and may help you win an individual game. You know, development is still the name of the game, but I, I do think teams like to create a winning culture. Uh, I know from talking to the Royals in spring training, I mean, the, the, a lot of these guys who won the World Series won minor league championships coming up together in the Royal system, and then they think that helped them. You know, that, that, that's part of the learning process. You know, the Astros – had you know losing minor league records for years, and with the new regime, and they brought in some better talent in the minor leagues. They, they turned that around, and then you saw them win ahead of schedule. I think that the Cubs, you've had a lot of young players, and they've had success in the minor leagues too. So it's not. I mean, you, you always want. I mean, you always want to win, but it's still secondary in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, if, if you can build a winning organization. You know, or winning minor league teams, that's great. You know, but talent's still going to be the be-all and end-all. But if you can have both, then that's usually a pretty good sign for the future. Yeah, and I would think pitching in a big spot or hitting in a big spot with a championship on the line, that sort of thing, can't hurt. I mean, you know, there's different arguments about whether or not there's a such thing as being clutch. But, but being able to be in that situation before certainly must help a little bit as you get to the major league level. All right, we've talked a lot about guys in the minor leagues where they're starting. How about some, some guys that have started the season in the major leagues and kind of taken major league baseball by storm? Uh, nobody greater than Trevor Story. And, I mean, the guy's name is made for headlines, and I think it's been pretty worn out so far as far as the Rockies go. But three games into the season, Trevor Story, four home runs. He's the first player in major league history to homer in his first three games, which – 
A to me is shocking that that's never happened before, but, but for it to happen now, really cool, and to see how he's done it. And he's done it all, and he hasn't even played in that thin air in Colorado yet as they open the season on the road. Um, Jonathan, I'll go to you first. Um, Trevor Story obviously is great right now this week, but what's the long term? I know we've talked about him before. This isn't what he's going to be long term. He's not going to be a guy that hits this many home runs, right? You mean he's not going to hit 175 homers this I year? I was thinking he's not no, going to hit. He's not going to hit. Don't sell him short. <laughs> I, I can't do math like that in my head. Come on. Um, I, I mean, I think the one thing is that it's clear that Jim Callis grossly underranked him on the Rockies. I knew that's party. where we were going to start. I knew it. <laughs> uh, it was predictable. It was predictable. Listen, it's, it's a great story. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, you know, I'm glad to see him doing well. I've always liked him overall as a player. I think he's the kind of player uh, that successful teams have on the roster, whether he ends up being an everyday shortstop for the rest of his career or he turns into a Ben Zobrist kind of, you want the bat in the lineup and you move him around. Uh, yeah, but look, And we've gotten, like, the, the, there's been some, like, oh, why is he ranked so low based on the start? I mean, you know, I love bringing Tuffy Rhodes up in, in situations like this. Three homers in his first game, Cubs opening day lineup. Uh, he may not have hit another homer in, in, in the big leagues, ended up in Japan. You know, so everyone needs to, to calm down. It is, it is a great start to, to the year for him and for Major League Baseball to have a young guy like this uh, doing that. Uh, I hope he has, uh, you know, I hope he has a, a great year. And it's not the first time that any of us have ranked a guy and he ends up sort of quote unquote outperforming the ranking, at least for, for a short period of time. Uh, but, uh, you know, let's, let's see what happens over the, over the course of the long season uh, with story as things progress. Jim, what do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, we talked about him as a potential Rookie of the Year candidate because he had the opportunity. He's going to get to play in Coors Field. Uh, you know, 2020 guy in the minors last year. Um, and I thought, I think we said on the rookie, uh, when we are talking about rookies, maybe, I, I think I threw out there maybe can go 15-15. And, okay, maybe we'll up that estimate to 2020 as a rookie because he's already got four homers. But, no, Jonathan described him accurately. And, you know, we do have him 11th on our top 30 right now. But, you know, I'm not going to, like, I wouldn't jack the guy's ranking way up based on three games in the big leagues. He did have a tremendous spring training. I think he impressed Walt Weiss and the staff there, not just with his performance, but how comfortable he was in the big league atmosphere and, and playing on a regular basis. And I think, one, you know, a big part of the reason he ranks that low is I do think the Rockies have the deepest farm system in baseball. And, you know, if we were, redo, if we were doing the rankings right now, I don't know if I would put him higher than seventh, even after the hot start. You call me crazy, but I mean that's a loaded system. I think that the best news about all this is if the Rockies can get Jose Reyes back after whatever discipline and suspension he's going to get, and somehow get you know maybe you move story around a little bit so you can get Reyes some at bats. If they can establish some trade value for Reyes, you trade him, you add some more players to rebuild with, and you hand shortstop to Trevor Story and. You know, although if Trevor Story keeps hitting like this, it may be hard to, to get him out of the lineup or move him around much and get Jose Reyes those at-bats. Absolutely. And uh, just to – I've confirmed Tuffy Road stats for you, Jonathan. Uh, 13 career home runs over six nah, seasons. I, so I forgot the other 10. No, but that still kind of proves your point, certainly. 13 home runs, but, but it all started with a big bang. Um, as far as some other guys off to good starts, uh, Joey Rickard won the job in Baltimore in left field after – 
going over there uh, as a Rule 5 pick out of Tampa Bay. And he's not off to the kind of start that Trevor Story is. But, but for a guy to be thrown in like, like a Joey Rickard, and obviously with Rule 5, the goal is to just keep him on that roster. For him to earn a starting job is, is pretty good stuff. And he gets a hit in his first at-bat. He drove in a run on Wednesday night. Um, what, what's the long-term hope for him? And when do we start to think that, that he can really be an all-season success story for the Orioles? Because obviously adjustments are going to have to be made along the way. Well, I don't think he's going to hit 571. I'll take the under on that. He's off to a great start. You know, long term, to be honest, he's more of an extra outfielder. I think he can hit for some average. Uh, you know, he's a plus runner. There's just not very much power there. Um, you know, decent. On, I think he could be a decent on base guy. But to me, you know, maybe if you were if you were playing him in center. You maybe he could be a second division regular. They obviously have Adam Jones in center. They're playing him in left. I just don't see this guy as an everyday player in left. I think he's more of a fourth outfielder who can run and play defense and get on base some. You know that said, you know he does enough things. He has enough skills. He was in AAA last year. I think he's fairly easy to keep as a Rule Five guy because even if he's if he's not hitting 571 or even 271, he could do enough things to help to help you out and maybe be the fifth outfielder on your team and justify keeping him on the roster. So I would expect that you know barring you know something odd that, that Joey Rickard actually will stick on the Orioles for all season um, and you know they don't have a lot of great left field options so he could get a, a decent amount of playing time as long as he continues to be productive. I, I, I agree with that overall. I think your fourth outfielder makes the most sense. And you know, uh, the opportunity is coming because, as Jim said, he was the best option. And I think the good thing is that he's going to get a lot of at-bats right now, um, you know, and they can get a sense of how he does and, as you said, Tim, how he makes adjustments. And, you know, if he makes better adjustments than maybe people uh, think or expect of him – then he has a chance to stick as a as a starting left fielder for for a while. I, you know, I don't know that that he's a, a starting corner outfielder on a championship caliber team, uh, but you know I don't know that that's what we're talking about right now. You know, there certainly have been guys who have been taken over the last couple of years who have ended up being everyday outfielders. I don't think anyone thought Delano DeShields Jr. would be the Texas Rangers everyday center fielder on a playoff team. Uh, you know, but the light kind of went off for for him. Uh, you know, uh, Adabel Herrera in, in Philadelphia, same kind of deal. I don't think anybody really expected him to, to be an everyday player. So you, you never know. Now, those guys can play up the middle. Uh, and so that that is a, a bit of a difference maker. But uh, it is fun to see, you know, see how the, the Rule 5 guys do because it is that kind of needle in a haystack kind of thing. And uh, while the that draft has taken on maybe – less importance you're less likely to find a Josh Hamilton uh, than than your years ago it does seem the last few years teams have done a very nice job of finding value yeah and he's certainly benefited from the struggles of Hyunsu Kim who had such a rough spring training but is still on that major league roster as well because he refused to go down I wanted to touch on one more player with you guys um, because he made his debut today and he's now out of the game as we record this but uh, Robert Stevenson in the Cincinnati Reds organization uh, making his debut he looks on track to get the win as we record this as they lead 9-4, to four, getting a good lift from his offense against the Phillies. Um, but what can the Reds expect from, from Stevenson this season? He's a highly touted prospect, and obviously they're a team that, that has plenty of young pitchers in that rotation. Jim, go ahead. 
you know, I, I, it's kind of hard to say what, yeah. what's gonna what they can expect from him. I mean, he's got you know few pitchers and the few pitching prospects have better three pitch mix than Robert Stevenson with his fastball, changeup, and curveball. But yet he hasn't you know thrown consistent strikes, and he doesn't necessarily overpower hitters as much as you think he might. I mean, I think. In terms of what they're going to get in the big leagues this year, it's more kind of learning on the job. I would expect because they have – I don't see any chance to contend unless they can play the Phillies 162 times, um, that they will send him down at some point for you know to, to monkey with the service time so they, they don't lose him to free agency a year earlier. But you know, I, I think it's a developmental year for him, and that developmental year, a lot of it will come at the big league level, exposing him to big league hitters. I, I thought he could have possibly come up at, at the end of last season. You know, even today – in the outing, uh, you know, I haven't I haven't looked at any pitch effects data to see how how crisp the stuff was, but it was, you know, five innings, six hits, two walks, one strikeout. I mean, he wasn't missing a lot of bats, but he he benefited from the an eight run fourth inning the Reds put up behind him. And Reds are about to go three and zero. I don't think that'll last forever, but. You know, as an aside, man, the, the the Phillies are looking like they're in pretty good shape to have the number one overall pick in the 2017 draft at this point. Good, That's um, a good projection now after three games. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to wait and see with Stevenson. You know, uh, agree pretty much with everything Jim said. I mean, the stuff is, is very good. Uh, the results just haven't haven't been there. Uh, and they've worked with him on a, sort of adjusting his, his game plan and sticking to it. Um, you know, a lot of people think that may eventually he ends up in a bullpen We'll have to see. You know, even in this game, first two innings he put up zeros, and then he started, you know, getting touched over the, the next couple. Uh, you know, so that second, third time through the lineup, uh, we'll have to see. Now, the good thing is that because the Reds, no one expects them to compete, they can let him, you know, sort of learn on the job and, and, and let him go out there every fifth day for as long as they want to. You know, there may come a point in time if he's getting knocked around that it becomes detrimental, but uh, – you know, when you're rebuilding, you can let the young pitchers uh, go and, and, and let them learn and see how they react to to the adversity. Now, he's had some adversity in the minors. He hasn't always pitched well. So maybe he's fairly battle-tested and he'll respond well. We'll see. You know, so I think you're going to see him uh, have a fairly long leash, and I think you're going to see Cody Reed uh, at some point this year, and, and it's going to be the same deal when the lefty comes up. You know, let him go out there and – and see what he can do uh, because those guys are going to be what determines how quickly the Reds can turn things around. And once again, Jonathan, you've slighted Rookie Davis by not mentioning him as a potential midseason call-up. So I, 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 I move Rookie Davis up when you move Trevor Story up. Okay. <laughs> the battle goes on. All right, this has been the <laughs> Pipeline Podcast. I want to thank Lucas Giolito for taking some time to join us today. Uh, for Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for tuning in and join us again next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 